Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, friends. It's not Valentine's Day when you're listening to it, but it's Valentine's Day when we're recording it. So happy Valentine's to you, Ash. Ash. Thank you. Happy Valentine's to you. One year ago, I sent you a heart-shaped pizza, which you said was your Valentine's Day dream. I know. It was so romantic. My husband made me a mimosa to record with. That's romance for me. Lee and I took an Orange Theory workout class together for Valentine's Day because they were like, bring your lover for free. Did he like it? He loved it. But I got made up for you, but I didn't change my workout hair and I feel like I'm giving Miss Frizzle vibes. In only the best ways. Thank you. Our entire unedited video of our episodes is now on our YouTube every week, so people will be able to see how beautiful you look. So if you want to see Miss Frizzle up in the piece, you can go on YouTube. There you go. But guys, we have a great, great show today. Between the Super Bowl commercials, Rihanna's performance, and more, we have a ton of hot goss to discuss. And then we are doing a really polarizing topic between Ashley and I, and that is, we are talking about a couple that don't sleep in the same bed. Is it healthy? What is it? We're going to weigh in. And it is from the paper of record, the New York Times. We have statistics. We've got science. We're ready to talk. As always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, take it away, small child. The pitch and the shits. So my shits, I'm going to get that out of the way. Whenever I talk about going to Pleasantville, that's my in-law's house in Delaware. My mother-in-law had emergency open heart surgery last week. All those words are bad. A lot of people don't like their in-laws. I actually really like my in-laws. We're different kinds of people, but they're kind and they're nice and loving. They're just different than me. It was pretty scary. I think it was pretty touch and go. She had to be airlifted. It was a whole thing. I'm very happy to report she has been discharged. She is back home. I'm just so relieved. And more than anything, although I'm very relieved for myself and for her, I'm really relieved for Matt. This was the first time I really saw my husband in like crisis mode and it really threw me off and we were fighting a lot. I wish I had handled it better. I really wanted to give him the space to kind of fall apart because he's not an emotional person and he's not an open person. And I really wanted to be a supportive partner and give him that space. He wouldn't do it. He just would not succumb. Well, he did it in a different way. I don't think he did. Because sometimes it comes out as anger or something else. You know, we fought a lot in this week, which is rare. We don't fight that often. They were big fights. And I think the reason that happened is because I was sensing just offness from him. But because anytime we would talk about how he was feeling with his mom, he wouldn't own up to it. In my mind, it was like, okay, we're proceeding as normal. And so then he would act weird and then I would take it a certain way. And I just feel like I didn't really give him the space to feel what he needed to feel. It just was a vicious cycle. I just wish it had been handled better by me but also by him, but by me. We seem okay now, I guess. I don't know. Carol has a new heart, basically, that she could live with. That's good news. Do you remember that movie, Untamed Heart, where they're like, he has a monkey 
Rocky Heart. It was Christian Slater. It was like an early 90s movie, right? I loved all those early 90s Christian Slater movies. I liked early 90s Robert Downey Jr. movies. My tits are, what an active few weeks we've had together. We took our kids to see Aladdin, which surprisingly, they sat through the whole show. We had a couple touch and go moments. I mean, honestly, I had more touch and go moments than they did. I'm not going to sit here and say everyone should go to Aladdin because it wasn't great. It was the Ross dress for less of Broadway. It really seemed like we were watching a rehearsal more than anything. Luna said they don't have a lot of energy. Maybe they need protein, but it was very sparkly. Also, two double glasses of wine and one bag of M&Ms cost $60, but that's neither here nor there. We needed our wine to watch Aladdin. For real. Then we went to see a taping of the Drew Barrymore show. I love a live show taping. Carrie loves Drew Barrymore. I saw old friends from my old life. We got some free shit. We got dressed up. It was fun. I feel like I've been socializing more. I'm just feeling alive again. My shits are that I'm getting ready to have a show open that I'm directing. A sixth grade play, which is no easy feat. We never have everybody at rehearsal because everybody has brothers and sisters and they all have fucking COVID all the time. So we have half the cast out for COVID. We open in six days, which is like not the quarantine period. So what the heck is going to happen? It's so hard to run a tech when none of your actors are all there. Yeah, what are you going to do if people can't be there because of COVID? We have understudies, but it's like these kids have worked so hard. There's only three performances. What a shame. And then also I just have to say the audacity of sixth graders. (laughs) This happens to be kind of a wealthy school. I don't know what it is because evidently from other people I talk to, other teachers, the audacity of all sixth graders at this point because of the pandemic. We have a Broadway costume designer. She's currently on a show on Broadway. What show? She did Jasmine's costume for Aladdin. I was hoping you were going to say Jasmine's costume because I really liked it. It was beautifully sparkly. She's very, very talented, obviously. Is she a parent? She's a former parent. I mean, she's still a parent. (laughs) Her kid doesn't go to that school anymore. Right, right, right. She's no longer a parent. (laughs) It's a contract job, so she's not completely donating her time. She is getting paid something. But these kids are like, yeah, this is a silky material skirt and a cotton top. I'm like, this outfit is the flyest. All these costumes are like pulled from Broadway. Meanwhile, my sixth grade costumes were literally a dress my mom had from the 70s with a ribbon belt. 100%. My mom would refurbish stuff we found at Salvo. And it didn't fit properly. They would end up looking good, but they were not Broadway show costumes. These kids have a Broadway sound designer come in. Each of them has a Britney Spears lavalier taped mic like Broadway. 17 mics, a Broadway costume designer, a Broadway actor director as the director. And these kids are like, silky and cotton don't go together. I'm like, child, do you see what you're wearing right now? Get the fuck out of here. Oh, and then one of them asked for her resume. And I was like, no, no, no. You're not interviewing the costume designer. You don't need to know what her work history is. I'll get canceled for saying this, but I don't know how you resist smacking the shit out of these kids. My favorite thing is I torture them a little bit because they talk so much backstage and they don't realize that the stage is mic'd. So I keep telling them to shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I try to say it nicely. Friends, please be quiet. Lower your voices. They weren't doing it. I'm going to make up names because I signed an NDA. I was like, Jackson, I know you just asked Monica out on a date because I just heard you do it. Now I'm letting every single person know, Jackson, that Monica said it wasn't a really good time for her to date right now and to find another Valentine. So that's how well I can hear backstage from the back of the audience. Did it work? Yeah, now they're not talking. Sometimes you have to go there. My tits are CPAP. So I've been sleeping like two weeks with the CPAP. I have a nose mask, which is making my nose sore. So I have to get a full mask. I've ordered it already. I'm finally starting to feel rested. That must be a relief. 
least. It's been 15 years at least. I wake up and I'm like, new day, I have energy. I have fallen asleep at a red light before. Anytime I was in any moving vehicle that I was not driving, I would fall asleep within five seconds. Oh yeah, same. And I don't really have nightmares or dreams that I remember anymore because I'm actually getting sleep. Because they told me I was not getting REM sleep. I thought that they were dreams, but they were actually active hallucinations. That sounds about right. You seem better. Yeah, I feel better. Let's talk Super Bowl, because for us, the Super Bowl happened two days ago. I think the Super Bowl signified some very big cultural changes for women and the United States. First things first. So the first commercial of the Super Bowl was a menopause commercial, okay? It was a 30-second spot from Estella's Pharma, which promotes menopause awareness, and ran after the coin flip and before kickoff. So that's a very big spot. We've been talking about it for gosh knows how long. And this is what I'm saying, baby. They talked about VMS, which stands for vasomotor symptoms, which is the medical definition for hot flashes and night sweats associated with menopause. Then they said this in this article. More than 1 million women, typically those between the ages of 45 and 55, experience menopause each year. Yeah. Duh. According to data from the National Institute of Health, despite being relatively common, not much is known about the health effects of menopause. I could tell you. It's bad. Heart disease, obesity. I feel like we do know. It's just that it hasn't been studied, but we know. We can go back to the conversations we just recently had with Bess Wool, which is 51% of the population is women. And this pharmaceutical company, Estella, bought one of the biggest commercial spots on the biggest commercial night of the year in a male-dominated sport. Yeah. To talk about menopause. I was talking to someone yesterday and I was talking about how huge this was and they were like, older generations are embarrassed by it. And I said, no, it's not because they're embarrassed by it. It's because we live in a patriarchal society where nobody gives a shit what half of the population goes through. I am just so happy to be aging in a society where we are finally fucking acknowledging this. Because as I say, you can get any kind of erection pill you want covered by insurance. You can get your hair growth serum by insurance, all things that are non-necessities. But if we want to buy a pink razor, we get an extra tax on it because we have a vagina. Or like have me gain weight and get high blood pressure and heart disease and pre-diabetes and it have nothing to do with what I'm eating or putting in my mouth. And our doctors don't listen to us. They don't take what we say to the fullest extent. And then two years later they go, oh, you've gotten really big. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And then you have to be airlifted to a hospital. Exactly. Or, oh, wow, you've had two heart attacks and we didn't know, which is what happened. We're making some strides. We feel passionately about this, guys. I don't know if you can tell. Remember those Jesus commercials, two of them. They spent $7 million on those commercials, which if you ask me, Jesus, who, by the way, I don't think anyone needs to spread the word about Jesus. I think everybody in the fucking world knows who Jesus is. Also, Jesus was pretty poor. Jesus would have spent $7 million in a very different way. Now let's go into a deeper dive about these Jesus commercials. Oh boy. So the organization that did this is called He Gets Us. They claim to not be left or right or a political organization of any kind, nor does it claim affiliation with a particular denomination. The group is a nonprofit 501c3 and a subsidiary of the Servant Foundation. So a nonprofit 501c3 means that they're taxed differently if they even are. I believe they're not taxed at all. Yeah, I think that's what it is. So the Servant Foundation is a Kansas-based nonprofit that reported 405 million 
million in total revenue for the fiscal year of 2020. You remember that year when we were all in a national pandemic and nobody could work and people were getting PPP loans. Businesses were going out of business because nobody could work or go anywhere, but they somehow made $405 million in total revenue. From 2018 to 2020, the Servant Foundation donated more than $50 million to the Alliance Defending Freedom. Oh, how nice. I love freedom. It is a nonprofit known for fighting abortion rights and non-discrimination laws. The Southern Poverty Law Center listed the Alliance Defending Freedom as an anti-LGBTQ hate group in 2016, citing that the ADF's support of criminalizing homosexuality. They support criminalizing homosexuality and approval of imprisoning LGBTQ individuals engaging in consensual sex. So most of the donors are anonymous. However, Hobby Lobby founder and billionaire David Green was talking to Glenn Beck. Two of my least favorite people. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some loving guys, aren't they? They love everyone. He's a big supporter of it. Green and Hobby Lobby, just to remind you, won a significant victory in 2014 when the Supreme Court ruled that Hobby Lobby and other closely held corporations can continue to deny health insurance coverage for some or all forms of birth control based off of their religious objections. The ruling affected more than 60 million American workers at the time. Green told Beck, you're going to see it at the Super Bowl. He gets us. We are wanting to say, we being a lot of people, that he gets us. He understands us. He loves who we hate. I think we have to let the public know and create a movement. In a September 2022 modeling, the Pew Research Center estimates that if Christians in the USA continue leaving religion at its current rate, Christians of all ages will shrink from the current current 64% to between a little more than half and just above one-third of all Americans by 2070. The study also estimates that if the current trends continue, those identifying with no religion will increase from the current 30% to somewhere between 34 and 52%. Is there anything more hypocritical than spending $7 million on a commercial to teach people about Jesus and how he wanted to make the world a better place and he embraced everybody and loved everybody. And yet you yourself work to overturn Roe versus Wade, work to criminalize being gay. That's not love. No. That's not love at all. And that is not what Jesus stood for. A lot of legislation that we see right now are things that would stop change. It almost seems like there are people that just want to pass legislation that goes against evolving with the times. People are more interested in keeping the status quo of the cisgendered, heterosexual, white Christian male in power as opposed to really spreading the word of Jesus. If you really want to spread the word of Jesus, do it. That's great. It sounds like he was a great guy who really wanted people to love each other and treat each other with kindness. And that is a beautiful message. That's not what this shit is about. Next thing we need to talk about, Rihanna's halftime show. I loved every second. I didn't love it. I love what it stood for, but she didn't even try to lip sync. She had the microphone so far away from her mouth. You have to bring it at the Super Bowl. And I know all of us were a little bit concerned that she couldn't sing and she probably can't, which is why she was doing that. Who was all of us that was concerned? That was not even a thought in my mind. Oh, I was. Because she's been shown lately, her voice is very different. It's lower. All the smoking that she does and everything has really affected her voice. I just thought she wasn't into music anymore. Oh, no. It's been a huge thing. So I was a little bit like, eh, I wanted her to sing at least a track, even if it wasn't the whole thing. I get you have backup vocals, but if there was a song like, she could have sung that one. That doesn't take a whole lot of vocals. Honestly, I was enjoying it too much to even notice that she wasn't lip syncing properly. It was not good. Sebastian was dancing on a table. I was kind of dancing with him. We were just enjoying the show. Rihanna's never been known to be a dancer, ever. She did okay with the dancing. I 
disagree very much on that statement. I'm not going to say she's been Britney Spears-level dancer, but she has always been somewhat of a dancer. I disagree. She's certainly not somebody who's void of rhythm and movement. No, I wouldn't say it's void of rhythm, but she's basically just doing cotton candy Tootsie Roll. Okay, yes, I would agree with you on that. I like that. That's what I want from Rihanna. For me, Rihanna represents the baddest of bitches in the best way possible, and she brought that. She did give bad bitch the way she was looking down, giving eye rolls. I was into that. Matt and I were talking about what she was going to open with. There were a lot of TikTok videos. People were thinking Shine Bright Like a Diamond, which by the way, I hate that song. (laughs) Matt was like, no way she's going to even do Bitch Better Have My Money because it's a family show. And I was like, nah, she's going to. She opened with it. Bitch Better Have My Money. Which was so awesome. I know everyone was trying to be polite and like, oh, I don't want to say that she's pregnant. No, I was like, she's pregnant. The way she was dressed, she was trying to show I am pregnant. Yeah. That was full-blown goddess energy, in my opinion. Well, that was the part I liked. I loved it. I thought it was such a big statement, such a cultural shift. She got pregnant real quick. Second baby always pops. I mean, really quick. She had the baby in May. Irish twins. Holy moly. And it was so interesting to me to be in a room of mostly men, one other woman, who really were not very impressed, except for Matt. Matt was the only one that saw why this was a big deal. Everyone was kind of like, okay, not that great. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Do you not see how huge this is? A pregnant woman just dominated 13 minutes in the world's biggest macho expo. I kept being like, be careful, Rihanna. You got a baby in there. I really like when they bring other people out. I mean, she brought her baby with her, which was like the biggest guest spot ever. But then we had that moment where we were like, okay, thank God she didn't bring out Kanye. I was sweating. She can't bring out Jay-Z. Beyonce would kill Jay-Z. Rihanna was Jay-Z's side piece for a very very long time. Allegedly. I don't know if I believe that. Oh, I 100% believe that. Hundy. She's not going to bring out Drake because that didn't go well. But then I'm like, is there anybody left that she could bring out? I also wanted to read these two quotes. According to Entertainment Tonight, a source said this and it got me so hot and bothered. Not in a good way. Rihanna wanted to display a message of empowerment and to show that you can balance it all and make your dreams come true. She feels so confident and appreciative in this moment. I don't think for one moment Rihanna was trying to say a woman can balance it all. That is the antithesis to all motherhood. You don't do a huge statement like she did to just say moms can balance it all. Fuck you. That's what I say as a mom. You can have it all. Why are you doing Mr. Hanky voice? Mr. Hanky, you can have it all. (laughs) So this is an actual quote from her and I like this much better. She said when you become a mom, there's something that just happens where you feel like you can take on the world and do anything. The Super Bowl is one of the biggest stages in the world. As scary as that was because I haven't been on stage in seven years, there's something exhilarating about the challenge of it all. Managing the work-life balance now that she's a mother. She says, yes, it's very different. The balance is almost impossible because no matter how you look at it, work is always something that's going to rob you of time with your child. That's the currency now. That's where it goes. The magnitude of how much it weighs. When you make decisions on what you're going to say yes to, it has to be worth it. I love her so much. As a momtourage team, sadly, we often have to say to ourselves, pretending we're saying them to clients, bitch better have my money. I know we do. Also, searches for Rihanna's Fenty Beauty increased 
finished 833% after the Super Bowl. Did you notice that the powder that she did her touch-up with is the one we have? I said, I have that powder. I used it today. What was that John Travolta commercial? Why was Zach Braff and Donald Faison in it? I did not get that. No, I didn't get that one either. I think John Travolta's like, everyone around me has died that I love. I need to do a commercial. Going back to Rihanna real quick. So Olivia Wilde wants to die. Olivia Wilde wants to die. (laughs) Olivia Wilde is a bitch with a death wish because she, on Monday, posted, I'm not saying it verbatim, but she said, ASAP Rocky is really hot. And then tagged Rihanna. And all I can say is, this bitch don't learn. She want to die. She's a death wish. Hashtag self-sabotage. If there is one chick I don't want to see in a dark corner after I've pissed her off, it's Rihanna. Ugh. Maybe Pink, too. No. Neither one of them. Because they will kick my ass. Yes, it's true. Ben Affleck, Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Oh, I loved it. I loved it, too. It raised my vibration of 2023. I was like, can we just have more of this? Good for you both. And by you both, I mean Ben and Duncan, not J-Lo. I really wish J-Lo wasn't in it. I was like, so you got to steal this from him, too? And also, you've never eaten a glazed donut in your life. Not a chance this bitch eats a donut. She's never even looked at one because she's afraid the calories are going to stick to her. I'm sure she has in her life. She grew up in the Bronx, for Christ's sakes. But she hasn't eaten a donut in a good 20 years. And the only thing glazed is her manicure. And her face when she sleeps like a fucking mummy. Olive oil only. And no Botox whatsoever. Okay, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. Lines say that he overdosed at the Jay-Z Rock Nation pre-Grammy brunch. Allegedly. This is according to Blind Items. And then this weekend, she posted an Instagram post that said, you can taste the dishonesty, it's all over your breath, which is a quote from Beyonce's Lemonade. Then she deleted all the pictures of him, unfollowed basically everyone, and followed three people. Eminem, Timothy Chalamet. And then one other person who followed her back. Another guy. But Eminem and Machine Gun Kelly have beef. She then deleted her Instagram. There are rumors that he cheated with underage boys. Well, Timothy Chalamet is back on the drogas, by the way. I could not care less about Timothy Chalamet. I know, I'm just saying he's in a bad spiral right now. Also, rumors are MGK cheated on her with a man. Yeah, with underage boys, too. That I do have beef with. Also, who's shocked that he does a ton of drugs? He looks like he does a ton of drugs. 100% apparently at this Rock Nation pre grammy bunch had to inject him with the Narcan. I feel like Megan Fox might consume Timothy Chalamet like a praying mantis. She's not dating Timothy Chalamet. Her and Eminem might get an own. She was in an Eminem music video many years ago. I don't like Eminem's new dark beard, by the way. I do. I think he looks handsome. I think he's an attractive man, but that beard looks like he's painted it on a little bit. Here's the thing about Megan Fox. I really want to like her. Free all the work that she denies having done. She was a stunning, beautiful woman. She is stunning now, but she looks like a robot. No, I think she looks like a blow-up doll. I think that's what she wants to look like, though. She is just riddled with insecurity. All I see when I look at her is a highly insecure woman who has been told her whole life how beautiful she is, and she is aging, and she is a mother of three, and she cannot deal with aging. Yeah. I just don't think you have that much work done and feel the need to talk about how fucking overly sexual you are when you're comfortable with yourself. I just don't. And it's really sad to me because I genuinely root for her, and I just think it's a real tragedy that the rest of us can see how great she is and how good of a guy she deserves, and she just keeps pissing it away with this guy that I'm kind of convinced was potentially abusive, at least emotionally. I really hope they have broken up, and I hope she finds a kind of chubby, funny guy who treats her like a queen. Ashley, a couple things here. I had no idea you were so passionate about Megan Fox. I really like Megan Fox, and I'm really disappointed in her. And second of all, she will never be with a chubby guy. It will never happen. That's 
that's not her vibe. Even Brian Austin Green, I like that a lot better. I think he's hot. I know. I was always into David Silver. Part one of You season four. We all know how I feel about Penn Badgley and you. I've already watched it, obviously. And I was like, wow, this is really void of sexual situations for my man. It's apparently because he came to the creator of the show and said, look, I'd really like to not have sex scenes because I would like to practice fidelity to my wife. I have not seen anyone else saying this. He is the first person I've seen and I fucking love it. I am here for it as much as I'm going to miss it. I don't think most actors have the ability to do this because most of us are just trying to get work and gotta take what we've gotta take. But if you're in the position to be able to do that and say, you know what? I don't really want to be the romantic lead in my career anymore. I'd like to just have fun and act and I have consistent work. More power to them. I have a feeling you don't like it and I would like to hear why. I'm sort of neutral on it. Oh, that's surprising. I think when you're an actor, you have to do a lot of different things in the name of acting and just because I'm naked in a movie or naked on thing doesn't mean I'm cheating on my husband. Have you ever done a full-blown sex scene? Yeah, and I've been completely naked on stage for 20 minutes. I have not, but I don't know how a guy keeps from getting hard. I'm not a jealous person. It has nothing to do with that. I'm just saying, if Lee did a sex scene with a girl and got hard, I wouldn't be like, oh, you cheated on me. I'd be like, well, yeah. You were rubbing up against somebody. They're beautiful. You're probably going to get hard, but you didn't like penetrate her and you're not leaving me for her. So whatever. You're making it about jealousy when it's not about jealousy. He's not saying it's about his wife. He's not saying his wife even motivated this or anything. Listen, if he's a producer on that show, he can call the shots of whatever he wants. He can say, I don't want to do this and it's fine. He does have sex scenes, by the way, but they are much different than the sex scenes of seasons past. I'm not mad about it, but a method. So I'm like, if this play or this show or this film needed that sex scene and it needed to be kind of a raw sex scene to have the story feel like it's complete, I wouldn't want to then say, well, I'm not going to do that. I think you're missing the point of this a little bit because he's not denying that. Anyone who watches you, I think, would agree on this. The way that the first three seasons were is very different than this season. I haven't watched this one, but I have watched all the other seasons. Okay, so in this season, he's the hunted. Oh, okay. He's trying to figure out who hunts him. Okay. It's not just that the show is missing a sex vibe that was previously there and it needs it. They kind of like reformatted things and it does work. Okay. It really does work in a good way. I'll have to watch it and see if I think that it's lacking. But I'm just saying the concept of what you're bringing to me, I actually don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying. In general. In general. Okay, I get it. So there's a possible breakup of Court and Travis. I don't believe it. Which I think is funny. The Megan Fox, MGK, Court and Travis of it all, they just have to do the same thing all the time. Travis posted a little bit of a cryptic message about just the two of us. I didn't care enough to go too deep into it. I haven't even heard about this, to be honest. Dumois and other places are saying that it's a little bit weird or whatever. Also, they're fucking weird. Right. Britney Spears intervention. Okay. I'm just mentioning this because you know how obsessed I am with this whole thing. Basically, I don't know what to believe anymore. She probably does have a drug problem. She probably is off meds, on meds, who knows. But the fact that we're hearing from her team that the family is trying to do an intervention makes the whole thing extremely sus, as the kids say. And then the day of the intervention, we saw Sam, whatever his last name is, doing step and repeat at some red carpet. If you're really, really concerned about your wife and your intervention, you're not going to an event doing a step and repeat. No, you're not. It just further makes me feel so horrible about Britney. Everything's the same as it was before. I know. Tom Brady and his thirst trap photo, most boring thing ever. Who wants to see your brown chonies? Did you just get a new filter on your app? His face was like face-tuned. And also, what kind of hotel room is that? It's just so divorced, dad. Giselle is winning in this. Do you think having sex with Tom Brady would be fun? 
on. I don't. I think he would stare at himself in the mirror and he would make it a workout opportunity where he would be like planking. It might be fun the first time just because his body do look good. But then after that, not so much. This article from the New York Times is called, I love you, but I don't want to sleep with you. So this article is about couples who are sleeping separately. And they say that sleeping apart is more common than one might think. One in five couples sleep in separate bedrooms and almost two thirds of those who do, do so every night according to a January survey of 2,200 Americans conducted by the International Housewares Association for the New York Times. The International House of Pancakes. Yes. So interior decorators are more more and more having to reconfigure homes to transform separate bedrooms into adjoining ones, an arrangement that more couples are demanding, according to designers who have seen an uptick in requests from couples that sleep apart or want to make secondary rooms feel as thoughtfully decorated as the primary one. Catherine Hurtline, a professor in the Couple and Family Therapy Program at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, you know, where they get a lot of work done. (laughs) worries about the motivation behind the decision to slumber in separate quarters. She says, is it really because a partner tosses and turns too much? Or is that an excuse to avoid talking about bigger problems at home? Or a non-confrontational way to escape an unhappy parent? What are you pretending to not know? I have people say things like, I've moved to the other bedroom because of my back. And I'm like, did you? So here are some statistics. Dr. Cheryl Fraser, a clinical psychologist and sex therapist, she surveyed 3,000 couples in long-term relationships She found that roughly 33 to 40% report that they are in a sexless relationship, which is clinically defined as having sex together no more than six times a year. So if you're not having sex more than six times a year, you are in what is defined as a sexless relationship. So take away the snuggle time that happens in a shared bed and sex might soon go too. When you sleep in the same bed, sex naturally happens. The International Houseware Association, a trade organization, says 31% of surveyed couples who said they sleep apart reported that the arrangement had no impact on their relationship. And 21% said that their relationship improved because of it. Granted, the remaining half of the respondents did not see the setup in a positive light. So half of the people who are sleeping apart either said it had no impact or improved it, where the other half did not see it in a positive light. They also said about 46% of the people surveyed who said they had called the shared bed quits blamed a partner snoring, tossing and turning, different sleep schedules, or conflicting wind-down routines. Almost a fifth of respondents said they sleep in separate quarters because they simply want private space, and 22% of respondents said that they made the change in the last year, raising the possibility that the arrangement is becoming more common, not less so. Some real-life studies from this article. One man interviewed said he feels closer to his wife and more eager to be intimate with her precisely because they have their own rooms. You're no longer trying to figure out ways to break away from your family and get your alone time. So he feels more fulfilled because he has alone time and it makes him want to have more sex. One woman interviewed said, I'm an introvert. This is you, in my opinion. Can I get an amen? I'm an introvert and I need alone time to recharge. Once she made the move, she loved it. She realized that she had missed having only lived alone briefly in college and becoming a mother at 24. We had to be thrown into being parents. We both lost ourselves. As our daughter gets older, we are re-emerging and asking, what are my hobbies? Who am I? Having physical space for that process 
has helped a lot. We don't feel like we're just stuck with somebody. So now, Carrie, what do you think? I'm all for sleeping in separate bedrooms. And I have a close friend who her and her husband have the most amount of sex of anyone I've ever met in my entire life. Good for them. They have sex every single day, if not multiple times a day. And they sleep in separate beds. How do they have the time to have sex multiple times a day? They sneak it in anywhere, on a table, downstairs in the basement while doing laundry, wherever. But their sleep schedules are extremely different. He primarily works very late at night and comes in very late at night. And she has to get up really early for the kids. And she, like me, is like, once we're done being intimate, I don't want to touch you. Does she have her own room? Yes. She doesn't want anyone touching her when she sleeps. When sleep time comes down, get down to business. No snuggling. We snuggle and then we're done. And that's how I, for the most part, have always felt. There's only been like one boyfriend and it was a very codependent relationship where I felt like I need to sleep snuggled up to him. On a whole, that's not me. Lee and I started sleeping separately because of my snoring. We don't sleep separately all the time. Now that I have the CPAP machine, we don't need to do that anymore. So sexy. So you just stay in the same bed now with the CPAP machine. So hot with that chin strap and my mouth guard, <laughs> CPAP mask, and my nighttime routine and my silk hair wrap. So that was the original reason. And I did feel like odd man out because I was sleeping in the guest bedroom and it wasn't outfitted the way that I wanted. It didn't have my stuff. That's a big talking point in this article is if you're going to do it, it's very important to have two bedrooms that feel like master bedrooms and not like one person's relegated to guest room. The other thing is Lee and I have very different nighttime routines. He goes to bed late because he is ringing in his ear from being in the band for so long. And so he needs to be doing something until the moment he's about ready to drop because if he's in quiet for too long, his ears ring so bad that it like drives him insane. Oh, that's terrible. He goes downstairs and watches TV until he's ready to fall asleep and then comes up and just passes out immediately. And I don't like to do that. I like to do my face routine, read a book before I go to bed. And on a whole, I'm going to bed at nine or 10 because I'm the one that gets up with Luna. He doesn't really get up with Luna. He gets up later. I don't have to be in a separate room normally because I can fall asleep by myself doing my thing while he's downstairs. But times where he's needed to get up early for work and gone to bed early and I still wanted to do that routine, I will go to the guest bedroom. My only thing is, why don't you go to the guest bedroom? I agree. That's my only beef is we should mix it up if we want to sleep separately for whatever reason. Or you do the thing where you delegate two separate bedrooms and one is one person's room and one is the other person's room. Right. I do have to say when we're able to speak our needs out loud, it does make me more attracted to him. Because when we were sleeping together and I was snoring, it was making me feel bad about myself because he was like, stop snoring, stop snoring. And it created this cycle loop. He wasn't saying it nicely. I was internalizing it. It was both our faults. It wasn't any one person's fault. It made me feel not loved and not wanted. But once we were able to speak our needs, it became a little bit easier. Our relationship actually became better because we weren't resenting each other or tired. And it did make me more attracted to him. And also for me, I don't like to have sex and then fall asleep anyway. It doesn't matter where we're having sex or when. It has nothing to do with sleeping in the same bed together. I did miss sleeping in my room, but I couldn't tell if it was sleeping in my room or sleeping with him. That's very honest of you. Yeah, because we don't touch much when we sleep anyway because both of us are serious sleepers. Hug, 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 cuddle, 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 say goodnight, kiss, and then go our separate ways. I was like, oh, I want to come back to the bed, but I couldn't tell why I wanted to come back to the bed. So I was working on this script in bed next to Matt. I would ask him questions of things that would come up and he was like, I don't ever want to not sleep in bed with you. I don't want to sit here and judge anyone else's relationship. I'm just saying, I don't think I could be in a relationship where being in bed together wasn't part of the intimacy. I've been very 
honest with the fact that I don't need sex all the time. It's fun. It's great. For me, the real intimacy comes in like hugging and spooning and feeling comfort and love from my partner through the love language of physical displays of love. Lee and I were single people living separately for so long. You and Matt got together relatively young and have been married or dating for kind of a long time. We moved in together when I was 26 or 27. I get what you're saying. And we've lived together ever since. I'm 37 now. Right. Whereas Lee and I didn't move in together until we were 40. Yeah. And you were already pregnant. Yeah. Like 38 weeks pregnant. We had never stayed together for more than two nights a week because we like our privacy. When we were dating, it was very much like we wanted to be together all the time. After six months, we were talking about moving in together and finding a way to live together. And I was like, I think I should move to LA in all honesty. And he came with me. I really think it's just a matter of who you are and what your needs are. I used to be very old fashioned in it, thinking that a couple that doesn't sleep together, it's a nail in the coffin of the relationship. Who the fuck am I to say that? And I genuinely mean that. I am no expert in relationships. I just know what I need. And I know that if I were with somebody who didn't want to sleep in the same bed as me, that would probably take its toll on my relationship. But I'm not here to say what works for other people or doesn't. The key is transparency and saying what your needs are. Which is the most challenging fucking part. We can say we need something till we're blue in the face, but you have to really dig deep and do the work and be honest with yourself. And it doesn't just require one person. It requires two people. I actually would genuinely love to hear what you guys think. If you're sleeping in separate rooms, please let us know. I want to hear how it's working for you. Or if you're not, just tell us anything. It's hello at momtrashpodcast.com. In case you guys don't know, Carrie and I have started a podcast consulting company called Most Talkative. Our first client is this amazing woman with an amazing idea. Her name is Lacey, and she has this whole podcast about surfing the middle, which is one of the things I talk about so much, how to navigate the icky sticky the middle. And also being a recovering perfectionist. So her podcast is called Sharing the Middle, and we would love for you to listen to it. She's got some wise words. I think it's really helpful for anybody who's going through something that they're just not sure when it's going to end and navigating all those weird life things that are a little bit icky. It's a really fun podcast. You'll enjoy it. Link in our show notes. Check it out. Hashtag swag bag. Preparation H suppositories. Been there, done that. I used to use the one where you had to put it in that tube, shove it up your butt, and then you tried to clean that tube and it was oily and you needed to use hot water. Oh no, I've only used the little pills. Oh my gosh, I was at my mom's and I was like, oh, these hemorrhoids are really getting to me. And I looked and she had the suppositories. I didn't know they came in a suppository. Why have I been using this ancient Monistat 7 method? Terrible. Oh, Prep H suppositories have changed my life. Used one last night, guys. Link in bio. Mine is this necklace that I'm wearing right now, which is a tennis necklace dupe. I've been wanting one of these for a while, but every time I look at them on ShopBop, they're like a hundred plus dollars for fake diamonds or crystal, which I'm sorry, crystal is just cubic zirconia. It's fake diamonds. I found a really, really good dupe on Amazon for $32. And I feel like it's elevated all of my cute little outfits and just added a little something. And I love it. And I think you should too. Well, it's been real. We love you. Love you. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. 
We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.